Welcome to Planet Marzipan Podcast. Your fish and marillion podcast. Where we talk about all things in the planet of marillion and fish. I'm Meza, and here's my mate, Craig Houston. Welcome to Planet Marzipan Podcast. With me, Meza, and my good friend, me, Greg Houston. We have a, another special guest. We're spoiling you with these special guests recently. I'd like to welcome to the podcast, James Levy. Good hey. evening. And James is here in his capacity as, as a fan, but also, as we'll talk about later, he has another role integral to the band's releases, I think you'll find. Oh, building the part there. That triangle playing's just coming on. It's, it's cracking. It is, yeah. The hand claps are getting better. <laughs> well, James, we ask all our guests on the pod how you first heard about the band. What's your story? Um, officially, and I'll, I'll explain why officially in a minute, um, it was 91. That's where I sort of came on board. There was a, uh, I don't know if you remember in the, I think the early 90s, there was a TV program called the James Well Radio Show. Oh, yeah, it yes. was, yeah, it was on late night TV and just happened to be watching one night when they played the video for Cover My Eyes. Ah, um, now can I stop you there with that one? That was a, a, a special version of the Cover My Eyes video. It's a different ooh. one. Yes, it's a bit more close up of things that you really generally wouldn't talk about getting close <laughs> up. And he mentioned it at the time because I remember watching it because I was actually sitting watching it with you, ma'am. Because she was a big James Whale fan. Again, go back a bit. He used to host Night Owls in the Northeast uh, TV uh, radio show, which was massive. And then Alan Robson took over and got even bigger. But Ah, uh, yeah, I know was, Alan Robson, yes. Yeah, so James Whale used to do Night Owls beforehand. And he had an exclusive play of the Cover My Eyes video, which was a lot more close-ups of the young girl in it. Anyway, I'll get the, let you back your story. You know, you <laughs> just can't. I can't got help. a guest on. It's not, it's not. Planet Marzipan meets Fay Gooston, is it? <laughs> How come on, you know Fay? Well, you, you call it Quigipedia, don't you? So, Your yeah. nerddom went off. I could see there, you know. The I'm young man. Man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know I am. Sorry, James. Sorry, James. That's right. You That's were saying, right. James Whale Radio. Yes, I was, I was watching this video very closely. Yeah. <laughs> no surprises um, there. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, they, they, he played Cover My Eyes and um, really liked the song. Didn't really know anything about the band. Uh, and then a, um, a few weeks later, I was in W.A. Smith's in Aylesbury uh, and saw the cassette for Holiday, or saw Holidays in Eden to sell with the sticker that said, oh, cover my eyes. I went, oh, brilliant. Bought that. As I walked out of the, sh- the shop, bumped into my best friend at the time, Ben. He said, oh, what you've been buying? I sort of brought out the, the tapes I've been buying. And one was Holidays in Eden. went, oh, Marillion, they're shit, which was sort of, uh, if I'm allowed to swear, if not, uh, oh yes, it's, it, you have to swear on here, yeah. Okay, there we go. Break it early. Um, which was sort of a lot of my friends at the time when I mentioned the band's name was sort of the the response because I wasn't a proggy at all. Um, I wasn't into prog at the time. Um, and then about a few months later, I swapped schools. Um, and as you do, introduce yourself to new people. 
Oh, one guy called Andy. So we got chatting and I mentioned, oh, I like this new band called Marillion. Not really heard of them much. And he went, oh, I'm a massive fan. You do know they're local. I was like, uh, no. And sort of said, well, they're playing the Civic in December. We've got a spare ticket. Do you want to go? And I was like, yeah. And that was my introduction to the band, which, you know, I think it was my third ever gig. I uh, thought wow. it was absolutely fantastic. You know, I don't know if you ever went to the Civic Centre, but it was a uh, sort of... We went to the Marbles warm-up. Yeah. yeah. So it was like 900 capacity. It could get quite crowded and sweaty and stuff in there. So it was a um, quite a, a packed gig that night. Uh, I thought it was amazing. But reading the Corona Diaries later on, found out H hated it because he had a streaming cold. Um and yeah, that was my introduction to Merlin. But I say unofficially because when I was a lot, lot younger, because I was um, 17 at the time, so I'm a, I'm, I think I'm a slightly younger than Greg. Um, we moved up from London to a village called Aston Clinton, mm. um, which might say crazy. Aston Clinton Village Hall. Radar, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And lived literally about three, four minutes, walk around the corner from where the band was in where moved in 79 and they used to i used to go to the scout hut use scouts and cubs at the the place where they rehearsed and have vague memories of people lugging in gear after we left and stuff like that so potentially our paths had crossed already it's fate james yeah (laughs) isn't it if i'd a bit older i'd have hung around and listened but yeah being only i think like seven or wow. something, six or seven but yeah so, you, so your first gig was on the holidays tour was it yes yeah okay fantastic well the, the begs the question then what do i call you do we call you the band's archivist do we what what what, what I title guess, do I, we give you on the podcast I, I don't know i guess so i guess um other people have called me that within worse things as well but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess that I'm sort of lucky being in a position where I've been able access to the archives and gone through and found lots of bits of information and, and catalogued it or in the process of cataloging it all. There's quite a bit. Um, and sort of helping out with the, the making ofs and um, the remasters. So which, which was the first making of that you were involved in? Marbles. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I've done, I think, five making ofs now from Marbles up to Fear. Yeah. And been involved with the remasters since Afraid of Sunlight. Brilliant. So just, uh, I think a lot of our listeners know this already, but do you want to just talk a little bit about the way the band records, the way the band sort of music evolves? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the, it's been talked about long t- for, for quite a while. And, and I think this is a sort of evolved uh, over the years, but essentially they jam. Essentially they get in a room together, jam, see what comes out some days are good some days are bad you know or, well some days they have the ideas that everybody gets excited about and other days sort of other stuff comes out because there's so much music that gets created over an album and some of the later albums the amount of stuff to listen to is is you know quite incredible um and then so they work through maybe for could be months could be years depending on what's been going on with you know especially uh, lately in the last sort of decade or so with a lot of the conventions solo stuff you know sort of gets in the way of the writing um because they love to run away and play gigs 
rather than me stuck in the racket <laughs> club. Um, and then eventually, guitarist guilty yeah, of that the, the guitar is very uh, guilty uh, of that. Yeah. Yes, I've seen dates appearing all over the place. Um, <laughs> and with Mike Hunter, he goes through all the jams and then sort of edits them, suggests potentially bits that he likes, they like, and then creates almost like listening lists um, for the band to go through on a really monthly basis, depending on how much they've, they've created. And then um, where they used to, in the past, used to sort of great, create comps. So they used to have compilations and those comps became super comps or ultra comps as they work through sort of weeding out the bits that think, mm, I'm not really sure about that one or oh, I'm really excited about that and things like that. Where Mike changes more a bit more where he'll add loops or he'll add some edits to it and suggest other bits that might go with part A, might go with part B, depending on mood or lyrics or whatever. And then when they get to sort of the list of what they want to work on, they then start arranging. So they'll then go through probably a, a song or an idea, work it through, see where it goes next, see if they can um, change it because they don't like to write a song that's straight, the sort of typical verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, key change, chorus, outro, out. Yeah. Um, they want to change lots of things. So um, it sort of goes through that iterative process where they go through, go through, go through. And I think since sort of um, happiness is the road, because it gets recorded to multitrack, everything's down a multitrack. So they don't have to re-record it if they need to. If they think something's great and the feel's great and everything like that, they could take a part of the th- part of maybe the drums or the bass or the guitar or pretty much most of it and then build on top of that to create the song and then they'll they'll work through it and recently they then go off to real world and have a week or two together so they'll in a pretty much as they used to do in the sort of 90s and 80s be a, a band that have a continue piece to get the songs together and they'll finish and then they'll start doing overdubs and things like that. And then it will get mixed. And do you hear all of these different stages? Do you hear the stuff before Mike's comped it? Or do you get the things that um, you get to hear the comps? Or Bits and pieces. Um, the older ones. So when you're talking, like, for example, with Dave Megan, Dave Megan would record everything. Every little sneeze, cough, dinner order, you name it pizza delivery yeah pizza delivery what h has had for breakfast everything like that okay and is so is there a trogs tapes in there somewhere oh there, there's a few there's a few choice <laughs> ones but like um and so then you get i get to hear pretty much from start to finish with my kids a bit more um because it's on the um on the hard drives it's sort of more of the the comps or the edited stuff sometimes it's the raw one yeah um depends what he's got hands you know what he's got his hands on whether he's you know whether he's got the time and stuff like that because you know he's he's a busy guy uh and then i get to see you know i get to hear story um maybe the some of the arrangements some of the writing stuff then maybe some of the mixing because sometimes the mixes change where they'll suddenly decide, oh, this bit needs a, a string quartet or this bit needs an overdub or needs an extra backing vocal or something like that. So you get early mixes and things like that. All them sort of, um, I pick out what I think is good and interesting and different, then that sort of goes on to the, the making of. 
sounds fascinating, but it also sounds like a huge amount of work. Yeah. Um, I remember when I first started it, I mean, I, I, I remember listening to, I think it was part of Ocean Cloud. And it was, they spent like three days working on about a minute and a half's worth of music. And my other <laughs> half was going, why are you listening to the same piece over and over and over again? I can tell you what's going to happen to it now. And I'm going, it's not the same. It's all different versions of the same. It must be torture for your other half. It must be. Now, now well, that was when, you know, she could hear it. Now I'm sort of, we moved and I'm oh, in a I'm in a converted loft where I can yeah. shut myself away and, and yeah. listen. Is the lock on the outside as well? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is she a fan of the band? No. Okay. No. Moving she's on. Tried. She's tried. To give yeah. give her a credit, she's tried. She's been to see three shows. Yeah. Um, and we went to fir- <laughs> the first one was was our um, make or break holiday. You know, when you have a relationship, you have a make or break holiday. See if you can spend. Yeah. 24 hours with each other yeah we went to canada because we're friends and family out there and i managed to sort of conveniently sort out the times when they were playing in toronto so i got tickets to go see Toronto. oh you never guess who's on in town yeah yeah, yeah. exactly um so have you you tamed this (laughs) so we we went to the gig in toronto which was on the sounds that can't be made tour which was ridiculously hot it was like thir- late thirties. Even Brothers took his jacket off. That's how hot what? the gig was. I know. <laughs> and people were pa- for <laughs> yeah. People were passing out on the front row and everything. But luckily, they did a set which was like all like really short songs or shorter songs. Yeah. The next time we saw, we went up to Wolverhampton on the Sounds tour, the U- proper UK tour, and they opened with Gaza. Yeah. And wow. halfway through the song, she looked at me and just went. Is this still the same song? <laughs> so I knew we were a bit doomed from there. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, it's not for everybody. It's not for no, everybody. No. We know that. We know that. Um, so, the, sorry, you did say the first one that you worked on was the Happiness. It was Marbles. Marbles. Marbles, Marbles. Sorry, Marbles, yeah. Marbles. So how, how did they ask you or did you volunteer? I vo- I, yeah, I volunteered. I sort of, um, back in, when was it? Uh, 2012, I think. It was, yeah, the, towards the end of 2012. It was on Lucy's Friday Questions. And somebody asked the question, is there going to be a making of marbles? And Lucy went, no, because no one here will do it. Because I think on the early ones, the early making ones, I think it was Mark and Pete did the first couple. I don't know for sure. And then I think Colin and Well, Eric there's nothing. Took... I had a quick look today. There's nothing at all on the Brave one. It's, there's some notes yeah. about the tracks, but no compilation there. I think it's from what I've seen, I think it was the band that did. I think I'm sure it pretty sure it was Mark. Yeah. Um and so by that point, Connor and Eric had, had gone on to other things. Yeah. And I found out there's, you know, nobody else really wanted to take it on. And just I don't know, pure instinct. I just replied and said, I'll do it. Because I'd sort of met met Lucy by then. I mean, I think I first properly met Lucy at the convention in 2009 which i think i met first time i met you two as well yeah probably yeah, yeah. uh the quiz um and so she knew who i was and she and i'd been down to racket for another something else and she messaged me and went are you sure and i just went yeah okay <laughs> what am i letting myself in for and That's then what she was asking you james really. yeah <laughs> and then a, a couple of weeks later she said well come down to racket we'll have a chat so um and for those who don't know, I live in Aylesbury, so I'm sort of Merlion Central, so I'm, I'm not far from, from Racket. Um, 
so I went down there and, and we talked about it and she went, oh, okay, I've got some stuff for you then. And she literally, Rich handed me a mini disc player and two huge crates, um, post office crates full of mini discs, CDs, tapes, anything. I think it was and just went, Oof, they get on with it. Um, said, that's, that's just for uh, bridge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's Ocean Cloud. We'll bring the rest of it. Um, and yeah, something like, I think it was like something like 270 mini discs. Wow. Um, and 50 odd CDs and, and bits and pieces. And it took me about a year for the first one because it was, it was sort of making it up as I go along, really. But it, I mean, um, it's a, the first one, it's a three disc set, the yes. first one as well, isn't it? It's great. It's, there's some real, they're not, I'll be honest, they're not albums I pull out very often, but when I do, I mean, I put, I put, um, uh, Mr. Taurus on about half an hour ago, just before mm. we're due to chat. I don't know how you do it because there's, there's tracks. I mean, the, the backing track he's playing, uh, I think on Mr. Taurus there's about three or four versions of Circular Ride at the start of Dick yeah. 2. But you don't know it's that until H decides to sing the melody line across the top. It's, uh, I mean, we've talked, this is to a much lesser degree, but we've talked about the demos on the clutching reissue, you know, where Fish is singing the the uh, lyrics to what became Fish solo tracks, so yeah. the things that we're now used to hearing on Season's End. And that's enough to mash my brain. So how <laughs> you do this, I have no idea. It, I guess that I think it, it started off with, because Marbles is my favourite Merlin album. Yeah. Um, and so it was, uh, I think if it had been some of the other, maybe I wouldn't have said, yeah, I'll do it. But I mean, first and foremost, I, I, I approach it as a fan. I sort of think of like, okay, if I was going to buy it and I have bought the, the, the previous making arms, what would I, what do I want to hear? And I think one thing I, I sort of thought about early on is like, okay, take the making arms that, that was done so far. What did I like? What I didn't like? The ones I didn't like were sort of a bit like the Afraid of Sunlight ones and, and the Brave ones, which is just snippets. Yeah. So, you know, you hear 30 seconds or a minute, a minute and a half of the jam, and then they stop. And you go, well, I want to hear the rest. Where, where did they go from that? So my sort of thought was, well, actually, I'm going to put proper, you know, if it's a seven minute, like the um, the second half of Neverland, that that on that glass half full, that is the, that is the jam. Yeah. that came out pretty much just, well, straight away within the, the H going when, when, when DDD started singing that just off the cuff. Wow. And that's like six and I think six, six odd minutes. And I thought, well, I want to put that whole thing on to, because you're right. A lot of people with the making of, they don't reach them from very often. But I, my sort of thought was like, well, let's make it interesting enough. So when people do, or when they buy them, they think, oh, that's different. Or, oh, I didn't know, I didn't expect that. Yeah, or... yeah. There's, uh, and your liner notes are great, really detailed liner notes. Um, <laughs> I might, I mean, we'll talk in a, a little while about the quiz at Port Zealand, but might be wise for people to read the liner notes before the next Port Zealand, you know, just a oh, tip. Oh, maybe. Just a tip. <laughs> What's your favorite work? In, well, I, I presume this is your favorite then, the Marvels one, is it? Well, no, actually, my favorite's probably the Sounds That Can't Be Made one. Okay. Because. I think it's got a lot of stuff on there that's really interesting. Um, I mean, the glass half full one, that is a fraction of what's out there. Really? And maybe there'll be other stuff released down the line. Who knows? 
but the sorry, the James, what are you saying there? <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. Okay, exclusive. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> sixteen hours, sixteen discs. Shut him up! Shut him up! No, I mean, there's always potential for stuff that there's, and that's. Oh, I'll get onto that in a minute. But with the with the somewhat uh, with the happiness. Uh, sorry, the sounds that can't be made. One was I knew that there was sort of things on my hit list because I knew there was an anorak version of power. I knew there was the marbles version of power, um, and I knew and like going starting to go back and listening to or cataloging all the bits in the racket archive because where the, just to decide that where that came from i was we were going through bits for the afraid of sunlight remaster yeah um and some of the tapes were sounding a little bit dodgy and i said to lucy well as i'm doing this and because after the marbles one um i'm going off a major tangents but after the marble one i thought that was it that wasn't you know done and dusted and so every time I saw Lucy, I sort of nudged her and went, what about the next one? She went, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. And then finally, I think in, in Leicester in 2017, she went, yeah, let's go for the next one. So by that point, they trusted me to do that and they let me up into the up into the bracket attic where you walk in and just there's stuff everywhere. And so it's a case of I said to her, well, why don't I start, as I'm going through all this stuff, digitizing it as we go. So we know if ever there was need to use it or some occasion to use it in the future it's a catalogued archived edited and before the stuff starts degrading because there's tapes up there that are 30 years old plus yeah so um so when i got to radiation and started sort of listening through the radiation tapes there was the early version of pour my love which they did for radiation called love like rain i never never knew it was there because I'd never heard a reference to it. Nobody sort of mentioned it in interviews or anything like that. So it's little nuggets like that that I get really excited about. And I think, well, as another fan, somebody else is going to get really excited about that. And so it's almost like little exclusives on the making of and things like that. So I think overall with, with sounds that can't be made and um, like the Montreal version on there, which is an earlier version, which suddenly you expect the song to go one way. And there's a whole section in there that got dropped. There's got a cracking slide solo in there by Rothers. And so it was all little bits like that. So that's, that's why it, I think at the moment it's my current favourite. It's really interesting because you're, you're frequently correcting H on the <laughs> Corona Diaries. I think you did it again on the one that's gone out this week where you sent the list of tracks that were considered for With Friends. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, because I know where it is. Yeah. So it was like, oh, okay, I know where that is. And it's not a case of, you know, go digging for it much. I've, I've seen it. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I, I sent it to Ant and just went, this might help. <laughs> yeah, but there's one, isn't there the, the guitar riff from Care supposedly goes back years and years and years? Oh, yeah. Um, it goes uh, back to January 2008 and it was written, um, had different lyrics on it. It's got, uh, called, it was a song called Class and I heard it and I thought, this is brilliant. I think I heard it in 20, 2018 and I thought, this is great. And I said to Mike, I, um, I said, why have you never used this? This is brilliant. And he went, we've been trying to use it on every single album <laughs> since we wrote it. Um, and in fact, this is a bit of exclusive. If you hear um, the demo on The Making of Fear for The Levers, which is Mike's comp of um, 
the sort of maybe the different parts because that's sometimes how Mike does it. He comps like a song together that would say, okay, I think these bits may work together, some may work, but actually they used a lot of different music on it. It fades out right at the end, really abruptly, because it then goes into that riff. Is it? <laughs> and uh, I thought I can't use that because if there ever is in a making of an hour before it's dark, that's going for that. There. Sorry, yeah. if if there is. Okay. When? When? <laughs> when? When there is? Yeah, yeah. Go on, James. Don't kill the golden goose. <laughs> so you've talked about the stuff being in the loft. I, I, I think we've had conversations before where you've you've talked about some of the challenges about things being on old formats and yeah. having trouble accessing what's on the tapes. Yeah. Um, obviously, this is older media now, and sort of mini discs are fine, and they the guy um mike has sort of sourced some of the older machines um to play some of the older stuff because um i think well you know about the afraid of sunlight remaster i think it was recently yeah they had to rent the sort of da88 tapes and things like that uh and there's even betamax audio stuff on there wow yeah (laughs) which you know some of the really early um i think european stuff's on there so it's a case of being able to find and sourcing. And I've got here some of the some of the bits and pieces from the Racket Club that I uh, use to digitize everything. So it's, again, it, it's using it, doing it now before even some of those MIDI disc players or DAT players break or yeah. go, you know, stop working. And and they say the tape only lasts for so long. Yeah, and it's precious, isn't it? Really, it's precious yeah. stuff. Have you got any favourite tracks from the things that you've put on the making ofs that you would kind of recommend to people? Um, favourite early yeah. versions, maybe? Circular Ride. I like Circular Ride. Yeah, I know it's it, good it track. sort of. I know some people um, don't, but I like it, and I like the the acoustic version from the sort of the sort of more Celtic tinged version yeah. of um, Circular Ride. That was good. Um, I was trying to think if it all sort of blends into one now and again. Well, you, I mean, you, you, we're talking here, and you, you are, you've got a almost encyclopedic knowledge of where tracks originate from. I do, it, yeah. It's sort of, I think I, I said on the Corona Diaries, it sort of links into what I do for a living because I'm, I'm, I deal with knowledge management, and so I've got a bit of an analytical brain of and and memory for facts. Um, so it sort of does log up there. <laughs> brilliant, it's brilliant. Very handy man to have on a quiz team. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Fortunately, as we'll talk shortly, it helps set it. So that's your yeah. problem, yeah. But I think, um, yeah, there's 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 still lots and lots of stuff on there out there that hasn't been used because obviously with the the earlier making ofs and and bits like that, I wasn't involved and and go back and I think because of um, I've got the time to do it. My sort of my thing was like it's a labor of love. I would want to do the best job I, I can for the band, and you know make it interesting for the fans. So me is like no stone unturned. I will try and root out as much as I can of interesting bits and pieces. Like you talked, I think you talked on the season's end pod about the early version of the space. Yes, um, that was on a. I found a mini disc just lying on the floor that just said August '88. All it said on it. And I originally thought, oh, it's probably the the tracks that um, we've already heard on the the clutching remaster and stuff like that. But I'll play it anyways. First thing I heard was that, 
And I was it's like, brilliant. It's, wow. It's, it's the amazing version, isn't it? That's the strings groove thing. It's yeah. Gone yeah. On the Blu-ray, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, that, this, sometimes the names, I must admit, sometimes the names are given by me because there's no Catalog information. Yeah. There's yeah. no, but I have found the, I have found the, after that, I've now found the, um, just lying around in another box somewhere, uh, the um, tape box of it. And it was actually known as Pink Floyd. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> so there you go. That's an exclusive for you. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, how how excited must you be when you first hear that stuff? Oh yeah. I mean, the first time I ever, um, first time I ever heard the Neverland Jam, the first jam that came, it's like, wow, yes, you know, that sense. Uh, and it does, and that, and that sort of, I think, what keeps me going is is finding that information and and, and trying to find something that I know I'll get excited about it. And other people will get excited about it. And it helps the band. Yeah. No, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Do you think there's any mileage in, say, a best of the making ofs with alternate versions, the the more complete things on the on the making ofs? Uh possibly. I don't know. There's nothing sort of Lucy and I have, have ever talked about. Um, maybe or there will be other bits that maybe come out on some of the maybe future remasters and stuff. Who knows? Because they tend to be the CDs tend to be fairly limited runs, don't they? Most of them are out of, out of print now, and yeah, they're, they're on the downloads now. They're on Bandcamp. Uh, they? Yeah, they're on Bandcamp. Yeah, yeah. Really, really interesting stuff on there. Really but also cool. perfect extras for the Blu-rays down the yeah. line once once they go past uh, the Strange Engine and stuff. Because then it'd be good to have the, the the concept of the the alternate version where you've got the demos of a complete album. Yeah, is, which are really interesting. Yeah, and I think you've got the scope on the Blu-ray to put more stuff on there. Yeah, they're, they're so packing wasn't... the Blu-rays now, aren't they? You yes, know, they compare are. it to say that even the misplaced one, the first one. There's a lot more content on the Blu-rays now. It's fantastic value. Yeah, and again, it's something that I sort of because when I started doing the somewhere else, I, you know, Lucy introduced me to Mike, and you know, I say to Mike, sort of, I found this and I found this, and I say, to Lucy, I found this. I think it would be good for the remaster or maybe we'll put forward as uh, as possible inclusion for the remasters. And you're right. I mean, I think they, the sum of the stuff that's in there now is, is really, really good, you know, really packing it out and compared to see, you see other bands, what they charge for the remasters or oh, yeah. special editions for other albums. I think the Merillion ones are really, really good in comparison. Absolutely. Are you involved in the um, locating the live shows? for selection on i know you don't have the final say on what goes on but would you say pull out three or four shows to give to mark kelly to give to the band to choose yeah it's sort of um mike and i will will i'll say oh this one's a good one or whatever i've got in there that's quality because the season's end you know there, there was a bit of a um you know and i think you discussed it on the season's end remaster show that that it pity there wasn't a complete um, season's end show available, but the band want the best quality out there. Yeah, because they didn't um, they didn't record they didn't play live then, and the, the the recording was more just like a cassette tape. If anything was actually recorded, really, it wasn't a. It was. It was, it was lot, even even if you go back to um, Anarachnophobia when they did the live uh, Anarach in the UK, that was a proper big production of a of you know a lorry out the back uh, recording it. It's yeah, not, you know, it, it, it's it's completely different type of recording now. Yeah, that was a, a multi-track. There was the yeah. all three UK shows were recorded to multi-track, but for season's end, the, the only ones I found in the 
in the attic were just as you said cassette tapes some of the better than others um but you you you're not getting a full show because i think even with the front row club other than the roseville one i think it was you're yeah. missing the encores because it's on a 90 minute tape and so it was a case of well potentially you could use some on the the blu-ray and it, there was you know we had the chat and i said well why you know as you playing season's end in um the conventions you can record it properly it'll be a cracking version and and also mirrors the rocksteady show it's at the same venue so you've got 1990 yeah 2022 whatever it was and yeah yeah things like that uh and now for for some of the other ones it's a case of let's see what else we've got in in the loft that's either good because not everything was recorded to multi-track um is it good for a main show is it going on the cds and the lps or is it something maybe go on the blu-rays and extra yeah have you has the stuff been selected for this strange engine now yes yeah it's all i think last thing i knew it was all waiting the band to sign off right yeah we had tim we had tim on recently and he's still working on the documentary at the moment so I, believe... I think most, yeah, I think all the audio content has been finalised. Yeah. I believe I am, it's slated for sort I'm, of a summer release, isn't it? Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. He's so excited. About it. I mean, I, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. if I, I mean, no, I'm, I'm not going to give the cat out of the bag because Lucy will shoot me, but. Um, oh, yeah, she'll shoot you twice. Just yeah, to make sure. Yeah. Um, just to say, if everything that's planned to go on goes on, it will be one of the most packed ones. Wow. And that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine, James. You know, we don't want anybody getting sacked. We don't want anybody getting sacked. Or ritually executed. Just for a spoiler. <laughs> I did ask you if you could come up with, say, a top three unheard treasures as a bit of a tease for everybody. We're never gonna, we might never hear some of these things, but have you had a chance to have a think about that? Yeah, I was, I was thinking about it on the dog walk. <laughs> last couple of days trying to and i yeah. had a had a chance to have a quick route around today um you can see look you know, this is good for a podcast you see my notes hey, but um <laughs> yeah that's the thing about when the band write and things like that there's not much that actually gets to a point where it's a demo usually where it's a demo it's a case it'll either get used put on the shelf or it's already been it has been released at, at some point or the other like mirages from uh French sunlight like, yeah. yeah yeah which actually was they thought about it for tse early on but got quickly ditched um but uh, yeah I've, I've thought of a couple of things there's there's a song um that got worked on uh for holidays called reactor one or fire burning it was a sort of had a, a dual title which actually got as far as the demo stage um and it was a song about if I understand the lyrics correctly, it's a song about Chernobyl, the Chernobyl disaster. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Cause the chorus is, there's a, um, there's a fire on reactor one. Um, and that was on the tape that got sent to Chris Neal of leftover ideas that potentially could be used for holidays, which had waiting to happen on and had the different ideas that became covered my eyes. And that, that to me, it's, it's, it's a really good song. And it's, yeah, it was sort of about three, three and a half minutes so it was quite a, a little poppy number and there was an, another song on, on the, that sort of got worked on a little bit it was called blame it on someone else which was even it's probably one of the most poppiest things i've ever done oh. um Same and it was actually 
yeah yeah from holidays yeah and it was yeah, actually yeah. sort of nicknamed pop song um but that that sort of never got really worked on that far it sort of got tried a few times and ran through it a couple of times um what else have i got um there was an early version of neverland in during the anorak sessions because when you one thing i i i've found out a lot by listening to um the music or listening to all the different uh, sessions for the albums and things like that how far back some of the lyrics go h comes out with a lyric and we'll try and work on it and you know maybe it's even a couplet or something um like the, the sounds that can't be made there was um the first inkling of power was dates back to afraid of sunlight wow so it takes you it shows you how long it sort of got and sometimes it got dropped for a couple of album sessions it didn't get used and or didn't even age didn't try it and then he brought it back in and things like that but the neverland lyrics and some of the lyrics for marbles actually date back to some of the radiation sessions um but they did a version of um neverland and neverland was the lyric sort of was in almost two parts where you had the the beginning of the song about H I think he said it it's it's dedicated it's about his wife isn't it it's his first wife um and then it moves up to the uh, the sort of JM Barry Neverland Wendy in the kitchen yeah. well that second section was um they had a a musical idea with sort of bit Jethro Tully crowded house oh. acoustic-y stuff and it was called the Lost Boys and that got sort of worked on a little bit during Anorak that's quite good so whether they'll, they'll get ever show the light of day and um for marbles um there was a song that i i think was was really good but i can understand why they didn't go forward it. it was a song called heart of darkness which was in the same sort of musical vein as invisible man that sort of dark apocalypse now sort of you can again you can hear it on the the marbles version of power that sort of um, abbey road type beatly sort of musical idea yeah. but it actually had the lyrics to oil which h released on i think it was arc light yeah yeah and then that's the thing so when you think there's a good lyric and you think oh you hear it and that's a great lyric it then gets used you know you see halfway down the line where that gets used whether it's on uh, some of the h solo stuff um like he used a lot of the lyrics for um what became ice cream genius on various marillion jamming sessions and stuff like better dreams got used quite a lot or tried quite a lot and so did um the last thing and things like that so and some of the musical stuff you can say oh that went on to transatlantic that's the wishing tree that's <laughs> yeah. yeah so they've tried it with marillion first and it didn't get used and then you can see where the constituent parts i think well, he, cl the, he claims that nothing to declare was in the bucket yeah end. funnily enough nothing to Claire hasn't was never used on a Merlion jamming session that i've heard whether it got used on there was not much stuff around for season's end whether it's where it's languishing whether it's in the warner's archives and stuff i couldn't find much well, he, tell, he told us a story that uh rothers when icg came out rothers had said to him sidled, sidled up to him he said and said i really like that nothing to declare track and he said, well, I offered you it when we were doing Season's End. You didn't want it. But, uh, yeah, I, James, it's it must be really interesting, as I say. And the making of that, when I do pull them out, 
I play them from from end to end because there's some great stuff in there. There really is. Cheers. Yeah. Have you given yourself a, a shopping list for moving forward with the, the next lot of remasters? So you say it to say it to Lucy. I think when we come to X, Y, and Z, we need to put this in. 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 Yeah, I think I have sort of get the list to myself whenever I, I'm putting a making of when I'm digitizing listening to stuff because I listen to it when I'm working and if I pick something up I've got a huge excel this sounds really nerdy but I've got a huge excel spreadsheet that's got it all on there um purely because when I give it to the band as a or to Lucy and Mike um as the archive because it's all going on tape I've got discs and hard drives and everything that will go up into the band storage so they'll have it eventually so it, everything's like catalogued so they know where it's from what's on it etc like that I make a list and that and that's really where the the starting of the making ofs come because if I'm going through something and I find something's got a lyric on it or I think oh that sounds really good it will go in I'll, it will go into a folder that goes for the next making of or the next remaster or something like that so I'm always compiling potentially what could be used so when I come to do it I'm not sort of having to start from scratch I've got almost a head start on myself to say right this is what I'm looking for for season's end I had a, I had a hit list I wanted to find the um, the H demo of Easter from 88. Nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, I even asked H and he said, I don't have a copy of it. Apparently, I, I had a chat with um, Tim Glasswell, who does the Rainbow Room. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he said the only he's heard it and he said he thinks the only person who's got a copy of it is Colin Wall. Really? But I found this after the after the um, after the event, after the event. Otherwise, yeah. I would have see if I. You would have gone H, have a word with Colin, see if we can get it. It's a shame that the um, the songs that you mentioned from Holidays in Eden didn't end up making it onto the, the Warner set. That would have been Yeah, really nice. I, I think that if done that one, it was a case of time yeah. and um, trying to get it all, and there's deadlines and things like that. And I think with the ones sort of with the later ones, potentially because it's going to be more in-house, I don't know for sure. I don't know who's going to be doing it. You know, I, think, I guess for some of the later ones, if the album's going to be writing, Mike might be really, really busy um, and giving it to whoever. It's a case of who's, who's putting them together and, and sort of that general consensus of this is this is the list, what's going on. So we'll see. But yeah, it's a pity, you know, and, and you never know, you know, when he comes around to the 50th anniversary of something, or whatever, <laughs> somebody might go, oh, let's let's release it now onto whatever the next medium is. And, you know, who never goes, who knows, we'll go on there. Because it'll be in the archive, it'll be available. So it, we now know it's there. And that's the difference. Yeah, brilliant. Can we talk a little bit about your involvement in the, uh, <laughs> the Port Zealand quiz? The quiz, yes. So you're part of the team... We have a team, I don't know, about 10, 10, 12 people. Yeah. We collate, uh, collate the questions. I never really talked about it on the podcast. Do you want to talk about the process? The long process. Yeah, we, we sort of, somebody, usually Darren, doesn't it, sort of rings yeah. the bell and says, we've got a year left before PZ. We better start thinking about it. Um, and so, yeah, as you say, there's the group of us that get our heads together and think of rounds and every now and again somebody will pop up and said oh I've had a good idea what about this like Barnes and his AI yeah, um, yeah. round yeah he told me about that we, we chatted down the pub just before he, he said and he went what do you think about this and it was like whoa <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant it was yeah brilliant. yeah um yeah, we tend to tend to decide on the rounds and then everybody just throws up questions don't they yeah and as we get nearer to it 
then there's a there's a vote on which questions are to be used. Yes, there is. Is like everybody has a vote on the, the the most difficult ones or the easy ones, and trying to get a good balance between. Yeah, so you, so people don't drop out straight away and think <laughs> it's too hard. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was all very different in my day. It wasn't very different in your day. We, I was a dictator. <laughs> we, well, you were. What do you mean, was? <laughs> oh yes. Um, it wasn't that different. We all had, we all had an input before. It wasn't spreadsheety. But this has to be spreadsheet because the amount of people that are doing it. Yeah, it, it was face. It was no. It was, it was um, Yahoo Messenger group back back in the day when we had all the all the different rounds and all the different stuff back. Parch- simpler, simpler parch- times. Parchment. parchment when we started, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, and we're still not talking about Brave. <laughs> you just... <laughs> Mr. West. Yes, that was never Brave. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Sorry, and, it's yeah, it's, I remember it's the, that was because that was when I first met you guys. As I said earlier, through the quiz, yeah, where we well, put the first first parrot heads together. That was the the quiz where Dave Dobby got the school children to draw their interpretation of the album covers. Classic. So was it kids of about seven, seven or eight? Yeah, yeah, seven yeah. year old. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but we, we shall we shall move on from that. <laughs> Yeah. Otherwise, well, we'll, uh, we'll we'll get on to like name that fart and uh, the price is right and all that yeah, thing. We'll the take, shenanigans take the whole thing do. down a level. Oh, what was it? The um, yeah, and the charades. <laughs> yeah. It's good if you've if you've never been to PZ or if you've been to PZ and never done the quiz, just come along. It's a good laugh. It's a, it's good. It fun. is. It's good. It fun. is. Although although yeah, unfortunately, I I can't make it. Since um, since my son was born, because it's around the time he was born, so I can't. But yeah, I mean, I hear everybody really likes the quiz, and it's great. It's it's fun for us to put it together. I must admit. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Some it's of the questions that get rejected. <laughs> yeah, and why do they get rejected, James? It's like, <laughs> yeah. Who in the world would know that? Not even the band. Yes. Well, yes. Which salon? Which salon does H get his roots done? You know. <laughs> well, yeah. I know somebody who would know that. Some. I, one of my friends was actually sat in a seat next to him in in the hairdressers. Jamie Craig. Ah, ah. yeah, really. Oh, I was going. Was, that was going to. I remind me. I was. I was. That, I don't know why it just popped into my head. That I was going to answer one of your questions because I think when you when you talked about on your pod, which is very good by the way. I know I'm I'm on it, so I'm. I well, it's even better now. You're on it, James. <laughs> <laughs> you brought it up a notch. <laughs> yeah. But you talked about the Fugazi stuff about the um the jigsaw puzzle piece yeah. that yes. they shine you went whatever happened to it yeah is it in is it in racket well no it, it well funnily enough um after i first went to um see the band i went and saw them at wembley arena during the the 10th anniversary yeah gig. we were both and, there, yeah. We were there, yeah yeah i was yeah i was at the bar I, and um a little while after my dad came my dad who was an electrician said to me you know that band you like that mary leon I went, yes. He said, well, I'm, I'm doing stuff at their studio. Do you want to go along? I was like, yeah. So it was me as a, me as a 19 year old walking into the racket, the first racket club. Yeah. In late 92, carrying his tools and trying not to look too much as a fanboy. Um, as, as, as they walked in there seeing Mr. Kelly on a unicycle. Everyday occurrence. Yeah. Everyday occurrence. The actual, um, jigsaw puzzle was hanging from the roof. Really? Yes. Wow. But I don't know where it went from there. So maybe it got yeah. tossed after when they uh, moved to the um, 
the bigger one. So they use it in, it's all in half, and Derek's got half, and they've got yeah, the probably yeah. yeah. It was a such a striking image in the in the gig. I, re, I still remember it now. Really good, really good idea. Simple, but but really effective. James, we're going to ask you to name your favourite Marillion album. Can you do that? Marbles. Well, that was that. Was that starting? That's that. Yeah, what? yeah. No, yeah, it's there, there's close run things with Brave and Afraid of Sunlight, and I, I must admit, Hour Before It's Dark. I think you know that. That's been an absolute. Um, no, I wouldn't say return to form because it's not. Because I think the last couple of albums, you know, they've they've been, you know, there's always been songs that I've really liked. Some less so on albums. Everybody has that. But I think an hour before it's dark is is you know for for them to bring it out in that late stage of their career. Yeah. And it'd be really interesting to see where they go now. Yeah, well, yes. You, you you might the next eighteen months. Yeah. Yeah. We, we don't know. Yeah. Yeah, of course. It's it's a fun. We haven't we've not reviewed it properly yet, but it, yeah, it's a fantastic record. Isn't it? Like you say, to be re- to be releasing an album of that quality at this late stage in the career is is amazing. Yeah, they they always say. I remember chatting to Mike, and Mike said early on in in sort of when they were writing, he said it's going to be an hour. That that's what he said to the band. He said, "I want you know," and they all agreed it's going to be an hour of quality music. Yeah. And it is, it is, and live, it's just taken on a whole different meaning. Do you still listen to fish? Yes, yes, I do. Um, I've, yeah, I go to, I go to fish gigs. Um, looking forward to seeing the, the, the last dates in UK. Yeah. Um, hoping he's coming to Ellsbury. I don't think he is, but I hope he will. He, he is. The only one he's actually named so far. Oh, has he? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's complained about the commission charges. And yeah, that's why he named it, because he's complaining about the amount of merch percentage that, that, ah, the, that, was ATG, that, that the Waterside it? wants to take off him. Well, I will be hook or by crook at the Waterside, because I think um, I fell out. That's my story with Fish. I sort of fell out going to see Fish towards, I think you were talking about 13 Star. Yeah. Um, and I saw him at the rescue rooms in Nottingham. In which is not a great venue. Is which it, is not a great venue. venue. No. The beginning of 2008, I think it was, where I think it was the gigs that they rescheduled due to Frank Usher's heart attack. Heart attack. Yeah. 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 And it just wasn't a great gig. Wow. Um, and I thought, I said to my friend Paul, you know, Paul Thompson, he, yeah. he both, made both know. And I said, that's it. Um, you know, seeing him the year before at the Hobble on the Cobbles, which was, you know, an amazing gig. I did, were you there? Yeah. yeah I think yeah, you were there. Yeah, I think you were there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it was thought, amazing, apart from the version of Market Square Heroes, which is the most ramshackle thing you've ever heard. <laughs> but it was important. Yeah. But I think the, yeah, as you say, the sort of what it represented. Yes. Yeah. Not a reunion, just a one-off of mates having a almost a jam yeah. on stage to Market Square Heroes was just epic. Um, with it every, the history and everything like that, and the atmosphere yeah. in the in the square was just amazing that day. It really was. Yeah. Um, and so I sort of said, okay, I think that's I'm not going to go travelling to see it anymore. But then he played uh, Return to Childhood at the Waterside. Yeah. And that was a phenomenal gig. And that sort of rekindled my love. For I always liked his music. I'm not sort of, again, I like some albums better than others. Um, but I think I, th- I really like Velschmerz. I thought it was a, yeah, it was yeah. a really, really good album. And um, I saw him 
a last couple of times at Oxford and, and places like that. And yeah, so I, I regularly do listen to, I think, you know, I'm looking forward to the Vigilant Internal XR remasters because Vigilant is a superb album. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd be interested to see what he's got as the extras for those albums. Yes. Um, and he's, uh, did you read the, you maybe haven't read it. He's got an alternate track listing for internal. I have. Yeah. And I, well, actually I, I, I like the B sides for internal. I think poet's yeah. moon is, is it's great. So it's for me, it's a, yeah. yeah. For me, it's, it's, it's maybe better stronger than some of the than, tracks on the album. Definitely. Yeah. I would say it's better than the original version for me. Favorite stranger. Favorite stranger uh, yeah, and what, yeah. dear friend for me is a bit of a, I know it, the lyrics are very good one, but compared to the other songs on the album, I could see Carnival Man being, but that's me personally. So I can understand why he's done it because it, yeah. it as a body of work, it, yeah. I'm, I'm fine with it. You know, it's, uh, hmm. it's a pretty uneven album as it came out originally for me. It has some real highs and some, we haven't really reviewed it yet. So, but it's got some real highs. We will. Soon's the you know, master. Say, <laughs> he'd like a shot. It, well, what he does. April, so that, April yeah. May, is it? April May? They're talking about, or is that for Vigil? I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think you'll meet that deadline, if I'm honest. But um, I think it'll probably be nearer the tour, which is mm. starts in October in Europe. I mean, if he does get it together, brilliant. But um, I mean, he was. I don't know, Craig. Have you have you heard the fish on Friday from last week? Now, yeah, I just <laughs> uh, listeners averse yet years. I was I was watching it in the bath. <laughs> Oh, nobody <laughs> needs that image. Sorry, folks. Splish, 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 splish. Yeah, no one needs that image. Um, uh, it was. It was pretty. I mean, he, la- he launched the tour, but he was. He was quite negative about lots of stuff. It. It made me think of because it was the same day that Jurgen Klopp announced he was leaving Liverpool because he was running out of energy, mm. and it made me think of that. I was just getting the impression that Fish is kind of getting tired of dealing with the same shit, really. Yeah, I, I've not, I've not seen the Friday one. Um, I guess it was also maybe, you know, he's just had a knee operation, so well, he's going to be in a lot yeah, of pain really as well. well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, who knows? I mean, I, it, I'm, it's... I'm really looking forward to the tour. I, I hope it's a real celebration of his career. Yes. Yeah, and I hope so. We'll do everything we can to be in Glasgow for the last night. Uh, because that promises to be, you know, a really good night. Yeah. And I think, you know, if it's like some of the other one, later gigs, the when he, you know, I think some of the sort of 2018 onwards and things like that, he's been in a lot happier place. Yeah. And that's reflected in the gigs. And yeah, you're, you're probably right. I think he's, by the sound of it, he is a, he's had enough with the music business. He's sort of like, I want to finish it. I want to get it done. Because it has been due to COVID and everything else. It's been a you know it's a couple of what three four years overdue. Yeah, it had been you know original plan done and dusted. I think so. Yeah. Whereas the whereas the the Marillos, I think still got plenty in the tank. I think it's because they handle things completely differently. With with Fish, he's the one man band. He, mm. He's been burnt so many times by different people financially that he doesn't trust anybody, and he doesn't trust. Mm. The, the industry essentially. Whereas Marillion, they've got that core business plan of release as much themselves, or, and they've got another. They've got a major record label behind them with uh, with their music that they can release what they want to retail and release what they want direct to the fans. Mm. It work. It works. Works perfectly both ways. 
Whereas Fish has never trusted a record label in a long time now. Yeah. And I think just artistically, they've got a lot in the tank. Yeah. I still think they are, you know, hearing some of the musical ideas that come out, even the stuff that doesn't get used, you think, wow, yeah. that's, and, and there is a lot of stuff that was left over from an hour before it's dark. Um, you know, they talked about um, a complete song that was almost on the album that got, I haven't heard it before <laughs> asking. So I can't give you any information, but um, even for some of the lyrics I've heard and that may get used on this next album, there's still real lot of stuff to, to get there. And, and I think they, they think that they haven't made the best album they can with Mike. They're, they're still wanting wow. to improve. So, and build on the hour before it started, because there has been a, you know, over the last few years, there's been a, a head of steam really almost with, you know, since I think fear started getting back up the charts and the Albert yeah. Hall gigs and yeah. everything like that. It's, it's on an upward curve where, you know, in the sort of late nineties, it was on the downward, but they, you know, it's oh, been going really well. Turned, they really turned it around in the last 10 mm. years. Well, I mean, in the, in the sort of late nineties, early noughties, they were having to churn out albums that, you know, I think nowadays they would have spent more time developing the tracks before they got to the point of releasing them. I mean, there's stuff on there that, that's great and, and, you know, some some of my favourite tracks on there, but we're not talking about the consistent quality that we're getting on the likes of An Hour Before It's Dark. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really like it, but Built In Bastard Radar would never be released now. <laughs> no, no. But it gave, but then you listen to those three albums and I think it's almost was set in the stage of what was to come because it gave them, they expanded the musical palette so much on those three albums. Yeah. That's so almost, diverse, really. Yeah. We'd almost sort of say you could see the seeds of where Anorak was to come and where marbles was going to be. And, you know, following that, that sort of groove. And, um, and so I think they were, Although at the time they thought, oh, we're going to get to the point where we might not be able to make the music that we want to make. Yeah. I think they were worthy additions to the Merlin catalogue and gave them the space then to think, actually, let's, I really enjoyed doing that. Let's carry on with that and things yeah, like that. Yeah. It's kind of a bit of a parallel with, say, Abacab in the Genesis catalogue, I think, for me, which is a transitional record that moves them into a different area. Hmm tend to think of those three albums in, in that sort of vein, really. Yeah. I think would you have got how much experimental Anorak was in certain aspects if they hadn't written some of the songs on .com or some of the songs on Radiation? Mm. Well, I mean, Radiation is really eclectic for me, but even just the the recording volumes and all of that, we've talked about, we've, we've reviewed Radiation, but... You know, it's the original disc is is almost sort of put like put out like a series of demos. It's it's indie. It is it's like you know, fi, yeah. isn't it? it's lo-fi. Yeah. yeah, it's almost you would say it's Merlin's grunge album. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think, I think anybody who likes grunge <laughs> might challenge that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I might, yeah, I might, yeah, yeah. Cut out Kurt Cobain thrown at me or something. But <laughs> in the Merlion stable, I think it's almost their grungiest album because of the way, as I say, the lo-fi way it was recorded and things like that. And yeah, the 2013 remaster brings out a lot of the nuances of the songs and things like that. But you still listen to some of the earlier version, you know, the night, the original version. You think, wow, you know, 
Yeah. And listening to the the sessions, radiation, and they were the sessions for radiation. You got half of dot com there already. You know, most of the ideas for dot com came out of the radiation session. So it was a really sort of productive um, period. You know, maybe it's to say, you know, get them to a deadline, lock them in the studio. That's what will happen now. Yeah. Who knows? But it's it was the same for um, Afraid of Sunlight because you got most of the TSE or the starting points for TSE during Afraid of Sunlight. Right. The sessions with with um, Dave Megan in attendance and was pushing them and pushing them and pushing them. And then it take, about 10 years later, after uh, radiation, you had uh, Happiness is the Road, where you had Somewhere Else and Happiness is the Road, essentially three albums worth of material out within the space of two years. Yeah, well, most, uh, well, not most of it, a lot of the ideas for Somewhere Else and Happiness came from Marbles. This is why there was so much material for Marbles. There was like, I think, I was 15 songs released on Marbles. My memory serves me correct, something like that. Yeah, but exactly. actually, Don't ask me that. No, this, <laughs> not this late at night. Um, but I think when the demo list came out, or the list of potential demos, there was something like 23 songs. Wow. Because you had Real Tears for Sale, you had State of Mind, you had Faith, you know, which then went on to be on somewhere else. And the sessions for somewhere else, again, was quite short, but you got a lot of stuff that went on then to happiness. And you had the beginnings of what happened. Sounds can't be made. The lyrics for sounds can't be made was was actually tried out during Marbles and somewhere else and and things like that. It just <laughs> it's like a, it's like a, just, just a whole lot of spaghetti, isn't it? Really, just all interlinked. All, all, yeah. all interlinked. Yeah. <laughs> it it sounds fascinating, James. Some of the stuff you must have heard uh, must be absolutely amazing. And a lot of it is on these CDs or these downloads that are still available on Bandcamp. It's worth worth mentioning. Uh, again, I highly recommend the making ofs. If you've not heard them before, pick your favourite album and just have a listen to one of the one of the downloads of the making ofs. James does some sterling work, <laughs> and he deserves a medal for it. Two medals. <laughs> Two medals. Yeah, yeah. Um, James, it's been great to talk to you tonight. Uh, I hope I'm sure people have found it interesting. Hope so. I, I think they will. I'm, I'm I'm sure they will. It's a real insight into the way the band records, and you know, you've given us further insight with the making ofs, and you know, to hear that you're still involved with the the reissues is really really great because some of the stuff you've you've dug out for the ones that have come out so far is fantastic. Cheers, and long may it continue. Yeah, absolutely. Hope so. Hope so. Absolutely. We'll get you locked in the. We'll get you locked in the attic to get an hour before it's done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That can't be like can't be far away, James. That now. No, I guess <laughs> okay, not. Okay, <laughs> okay. And on that bombshell. On that bombshell, yeah. No, thanks very much for talking to us, James. You're welcome. Um, it's been great to see you, fella. Yeah. And uh, take care. Yeah, been a pleasure. Yes, Cheers. Man. So there's only one thing left to say. Although we have, I have upset somebody by saying this, but. Uh, it's good night from me. And it's good night from him. Take care. And stay and alive. Stay alive. <laughs> Yay. Thanks for listening to Planet Marzipan Podcast. Please like and subscribe from whichever platform you get your podcasts from. You can contact us at planetmarzipanpodcast at gmail.com and check out marillion.com, fishmusic.scot 
or fishmusic.eu for all the good stuff.